the house is full tonight. Thank you, parents, for coming. And uh, gluttons for punishment. Thank you. I, I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking as the game was going on. I, I was thinking Bible. The Bible says when I, became a, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And uh, I, I determined if you called me to come and eat something underneath the pail, I was going to say, no, I'm a man now. And I don't do those kind of things anymore. And uh, some of you, I, I love your spirit, parents. Thank you for jumping in and doing that. And some of you are thinking right now, this, I'm glad this is the last night because I'm not coming back another night because I will not go up there and do something like, I, I, this morning with the kids, it was hilarious. It, I, I shouldn't say that. It was funny. It really was. They're eating away and some of them are getting sick on some of the best food you'd think because they're trying to eat it so fast. And that gag reflex was hitting. And, they were, and I'm like, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. This is going to be awesome. Get the video cameras out. we got to record that. And uh, that, that messed up brain I've got. But parents, you all jumped in and had a good old time with it. Thank you for doing so. And uh, I, I've, I always wanted to have a father-son airsoft battle. We never did it. And uh, I always wanted to. And, uh, and not necessarily fathers against the sons. More so fathers and sons together against other fathers and sons. And, and I, I, I like the fathers and sons working together, not against each other. And, uh, but, but to get the parents out there and, uh, and just having the fun of it, you know. Some of your parents go hunting with your kid. Well, this is great because you get shot. This is great. And uh, you can inflict pain on other people. And it's, it's not dead, what well, could be deadly, but not normally deadly. And, and it's a lot of fun. It, it really is. And, and uh, I, I always love to see Moms and dads and sons and daughters getting together and doing things together rather than... Now, I will say this. I've got two daughters, and I have heard preachers all... And I said this a, a couple over here last night. I've heard preachers get up and say, well, my kids get older and they move out. We just don't know what we're going to do. Uh, you know, it's going to be so sad, that empty nest. It's going to be so sad. I've heard preachers say that all my life, and I learned they're lying. <laughs> it is not true. And uh, my daughters are moved out, and we are having the time of our lives. It is wonderful. I don't have to sneak to go to the, the kitchen to get the cereal bowl. You know, at nighttime, adults, you know what I'm talking about. You put the kids to bed, and you sneak into the kitchen. What's well, in the refrigerator? And it's almost like the kids have some radar that goes off, and they, they hear the refrigerator open or the, the cereal bowl clang with the spoon, and they can, hey, what are you doing? Nothing, kid. Go to bed. You get out of bed, I'm going to beat you. Go to bed. But I just want some ice cream. No! I can eat out of the ice cream bowl now. I, not bowl, pail. I don't, I don't even need a bowl. Why dirty up dishes? You can just grab the thing and eat right out of it. Keeps other people from eating out of it. I might as well. I bought it. Might as well enjoy it. And uh, the kids get around. You can't do that anymore. And uh, I, some of you are like, I do it anyway. I don't care. Drink out of the milk jug. And uh, anyway, uh, I, 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 I love it when my daughters come home to visit, but just for a small amount of time. And uh, we, we enjoy for, to see him go again. And uh, I, I, I'm glad you're here. I really am. I'm glad you're here. And thank you for investing in your young people. I, I mean that. And uh, young people, thank you for inviting your parents. And some of you are like, I only invite them because I want a TV. <laughs> well, I don't care why you invite them, but thank you for doing so. And uh, parents, thank you for coming and investing in your young people. I do want to tell you about the books over there. I, I, I have written two different books. I like to say they're coloring books. And uh, you have to supply your own coloring crayons. They're not. They're actual books. And uh, I, I, when I earned my doctorate degree, this book was for that, that, the dissertation for it. The title is Not Just Your Mommy and Daddy's Religion. 
Uh, my teenagers actually gave me the title for it, and uh, they said not, they, they knew what the content was. I had asked them to read it for me, and, uh, and so they all read through the book, and, and uh, I said, what would you title it? And, and I had a number of them say, not just your mommy and daddy's religion. We have a group of young people that they just come to church because mommy and daddy make them, and it doesn't become their own. They don't own it. It, they don't, I, I, was, I was burdened with the fact that a lot of our kids go to churches like this, like good, solid churches, where the Bible's preached, and they, they turn 17, 18, and you could ask them, what do you believe? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what do you believe about the Bible? What, what do you believe? Oh, it's God's word. No, no, but what do you really believe about it? I don't know. What do you believe about Jesus Christ being the Son of God? And, and I was burdened. I actually have, I've got a great relationship with all my former teenagers. I don't, I don't know that I've got an enemy with any of them. And, and some of them are in church. Some of them are not in church. And I love to go to those who are not in church, knock on their door. And I could do this. I could do it tonight. I, I, I've got a great relationship with all of them. I could knock on their door tonight and I could ask them, why would you stop going to church? A lot of them will say something like this. Well, I stopped going because the church is full of hypocrites. Well, truth is, the church is full of hypocrites. And so is the school, and so is the job place, and so is every other bill. So is the, the, the white house. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. So is every other business in the world. Every, we're all hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. If you don't believe me, you don't look the same right now as you did when you got out of bed this morning. You hypocrite. I'm going to say thank you for not looking the same as you did when you got out of bed this morning. But the truth is we all, we all put our best foot forward no matter where we're at. You know what church is? Church is for people who are hurting. Church is a hospital for people who need help. That's what church is. I come to church not because I think I'm better than something. I come to church because I need help. That's why I'm here. And, and, and I want our young people to know we're here to help train you so you know what the Bible teaches. This book, the subtitle is Why I Am a Baptist. I've noticed in Hattiesburg there's a lot of different churches. Well, why do we have Baptist on the name out there? And this book is all designed to help a young person. And it's why I'm a Baptist for teenagers. Not just your mommy and daddy's religion, why I'm a Baptist. I, it, it goes through the fundamentals of the faith. And the first step, you say, well, that sounds boring. I literally write, wrote it like I preach, which means it's very childlike. And uh, it's very bottom shelf, very simple. A lot of scripture, very simple. What does the Bible have to say about the word of God? What does the Bible have to say about the offices of the church, the Baptist distinctives? What, what, what do we believe? And that's what that book's all about. We use it for family devotions. We use it in Sunday school curriculum. We use it a lot of different ways. We used it for kindling for the fireplace. We use it a lot of different ways. And, uh, and, and, but I encourage you to grab that. The second book I wrote was a book entitled Balanced Youth Ministry. Just a, not a manual, but just a 26, 28 years of youth ministry compiled in a book. Uh, chapters, this is really more, Bryce, I'm going to give you this one, but, but this, there you are, and uh, this is the, the titles like parent-teen relationships, what you're doing right now, this, this whole conference, uh, how to plan an activity, youth, youth leadership, putting teenagers in charge, uh, volunteer youth workers, planning a teen calendar, uh, uh, past, pastor, youth pastor relationship, great chapter, uh, and I say that not because I wrote it, but because there's good stuff in there that will help all of us. Uh, how a parent-teen relationship. It, 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 I'm not selling this book to parents. By the way, there's a, there's a price over there. If you don't have the money, take a book. I don't care. It's not about the money. It's about you getting the information and helping your young person know what we believe. And if you have an interest in helping with you, if you work with teenagers, uh, that, one, that one's free. As a matter of fact, Bryce, you can, I hear you don't know how to read, so I'll give them to you. There's a lot of pictures. I'm just kidding. There's no pictures in it at all. But uh, 
Anyway, uh, take your Bible tonight, James chapter number four. James chapter number four. He said it's going to be a long night, so he told me I had to keep it really short. So I'm going to keep it really short. This is the closeout night, though. So I have a hard time keeping it. He didn't say keep it short. He said actually take as long as you want. And, uh, but I, I, the last night of camp is always the best night. There's no question about it. Although we had a, an amazing two days with the teenagers during the mornings. An amazing two days. God met with us. He really did. And, and that's all I asked from God before I came. God, would you just work in our hearts? And I believe he has. Um, I, I, I hope that the young people will talk to you as parents and tell you what God's done in their heart uh, tonight, tomorrow, the next few days. I, my prayer is, is that it's not just a few-day revival, that it's a year-long revival, two-year-long revival. Uh, six year long if you're in seventh grade young person all the way through your senior year God wants to use your life but I know this I, I just want to be practical and helpful to families tonight uh, we, we this morning with the young people uh, we went through uh, James chapter 3 matter of fact look over James chapter 3 just to rehearse a little bit I talked to the teens about this morning James chapter 3 verse number look at verse number 2 this is a humbling verse. James was writing to Christians. I said it this morning to the teenagers. James is writing to Central Baptist Church. This is not some fairy tale book. Please don't ever read the Bible like a textbook. It's not a textbook. It's a living book. It's written to us. And it's there to help train us and teach us and help grow us. We all face issues and this is here to help us. James chapter uh, 3 verse number 2. Look what the Bible says, for in many things we offend all. <laughs> Isn't that true? Amen. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. James literally says to the church, to those Christians that he was writing to, he said, hey, you're going to make someone mad. You're going to say something. You're going to do something. Someone's going to misinterpret something you do or say. I know that's never happened to you. It happens to me a lot. Of, I'll say something from the pulpit and someone will say, oh, I don't know that I agree with what you just said there. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't agree with something I said too, just so you know. So we're in the same boat. And I'll say some things that are just knucklehead dumb sometimes. And uh, that, that's just part of speaking a lot. Sometimes you do say something. You don't believe me, turn on the TV and listen to people on TV. They'll say some dumb things. We all do. We all, we all offend in some manner at some point, some other people, uh, all the time. And that's what the Bible teaches. In that whole chapter, he goes on and talks about the tongue, how to control the tongue, which is what we talked about this morning. Correct, teens? Correct? So we're going to work at controlling the tongue. When mom says, make your bed. We're going to make our bed. Right, we're not going to back talk. We're not going to sass. We're not going to do something. We're going to obey. Why? Because that's what God says. We are going to do what's right with our tongue. We're going to when our sibling gets on our case, not that that ever happens, we're, we're going to respond properly. Talking about siblings, I've got three older brothers with girls' names. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a million times before I die. My, my brothers, they all have girls' names. And, and my parents, we, we lived in Illinois in a city named Pekin, Illinois. Uh, my my uh, grandfather built a roller skating rink in Pekin, Illinois. I won't tell you the name of it because it, it's not politically correct to say the name. They actually, anyway, I, that's, I'll tell you privately later. But uh, my, my, my grandfather built this rink. We, our whole family lived there. I was just a young type, five, six, seven years old. And uh, five, under five, I was five years old when this took place. 
My parents drove a Volkswagen Bug. There was a family of six in a Volkswagen Bug. And uh, by, I was only five. My oldest brother was ten. No, excuse me, nine. My, brother, my oldest brother is four and a half years older than me. There's four of us total. My parents were crazy. And uh, I don't know how my mom survived it, to be honest with you. But they pulled into a Kmart parking lot in Pekin, Illinois. You know Kmart. Adults, you'll know Kmart. Children, you may not know Kmart. But, but uh, we pulled into a Kmart. My parents parked all the way out in the far reaches of the parking lot, this Volkswagen bug. They rolled down the windows in July in the summertime of, by the way, rolled down the windows. I'm doing this, young people, because there was a day you didn't push a button to put the windows down. You actually cranked a window down. And they rolled down the windows in the front, and they said, boys, stay in the car. We're going into the store. Do not get out. It's July, the heat of the summer, sitting in a Volkswagen bug, four boys in the back. And here's what I did. As soon as my parents jumped out of the vehicle, I'm smart. As soon as my parents jumped out of the vehicle, I jumped up to the front seat and I sat in my mom's seat. My brother Corey, girl's name, jumped out in the front. He got, he got in the front seat, the driver's seat. He's acting like he's driving the car. We're sitting there in the car. We're like, my brother Kelly, girl's name, my brother Kelly's sitting right behind me in the car. And he's mad because he's stuck in the back seat. I'm up in the front, by the way. I hated Kelly. Kelly hated me. He didn't like me. I'm just telling you, we didn't like each other. He's my best friend now, but we didn't like each other at all. And Kelly, while I'm sitting in that front seat, I'm just telling you, I'm sitting in the front seat. My brother Kelly, you little punk, what do you think you're doing sitting in the front? I'm five years old. I'm saying, <laughs> you're just a little slow. You're a little fat, Kelly. And, uh, and Kelly's getting mad at me, rightfully so. You know what Kelly did? He reached up and smacked me in the back of the head. Ah, stop it. Kelly reached up and smacked me back. I said, Kelly, stop hitting me. Hit me again. I'm going to make you pay for it. I, I, there's nothing I could do to him. He'd kill me if I tried anything. And he reached up and smacked me in the back of the head again. And I'm like, ah, And so I'm looking in the car for any sort of gun, <laughs> baseball bat, knife, anything. God, give me a weapon. And he reaches up and smacks me in the back of the head again. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going I'm to have a concussion. I'm going to have brain damage. He keeps hitting me in the head. Kelly, stop hitting me. Reaches up and smacks me in the head again. Get out of the seat. This is my seat. No, you're too slow, fatty. And just smack me in the back of the head again. And I, I'm hurting. I really am. I'm hurting. And I'm looking on the ground. And I'm praying, God, give me something, please. I look down. I'm looking for a weapon. I found hard, dry French fries still on the floorboard. And that's not a good weapon, although they probably could be a good weapon. I, I, I look down and I saw a yellow number two pencil. Yeah. And I said, Jehovah Jireh, my God shall supply. And I said, Kelly, you hit me again. You're going to be hurting. He said, what do you think you're going to do, little boy? I said, I'm telling you, don't do it again. Whack, nail me. Like, ah! You ever had those moments when you know you want to do something, but you know you shouldn't do something? I know you've been there. And you know you really want to hurt someone. But you know if you do, the consequences may not be worth it. My brother smacked me in the head again. I'm like, I'm crying. I've got a number two pencil in my hand. I'm thinking, do I do this? Do I do this? And as I said, do I do this? Whap! I get hit in the back of the head again. I'm thinking, I do this. <laughs> my mom, her last words were, do not get out of this car no matter what. Okay. I'm going to do this. Whap! I get nailed in the head. And I'm like, okay. Kelly hit me again. 
and my hands are sweaty. I'm thinking, no, I can't. I'm going to die if I do. I can't. It's that point of decision. Do I? Do I not? And whap, I get held. I turned around. I looked at Kelly. I went, and I stabbed my brother Kelly with that pencil right in the bend of the left arm. You say, by the way, kids, I, don't, I do not recommend you ever do anything like that. I was wrong. I was complete, kids, okay, now kids, plug your ears, but it was so cool. <laughs> it was so awesome. I'm talking, anyway, I, I reached back, stabbed him with that dull pencil, boom, right in the bend of the arm. You say, Kurt, what'd you do? I'll tell you what I did. I screamed, ah! I can't believe I did. I opened that front door. My mom said, do not get out of the, I didn't care. I jumped out of the front, front seat of that Volkswagen bug. I took off running into the building. The entire time I'm running in, I'm yelling, Mom, help, he's going to kill me. I turned around and looked. My brother Kelly's chasing me. Pencil still stuck in the arm. It's bouncing as he's running after me. I got inside. I'm yelling. I can tell you, I got a beaten that day. After we went to the emergency room to get the lead dug out of my brother's arm. But it was so worth it. I'm t- you're going to offend. You're going to have conflict. You, you have conflict at work. You have adults. You, you have a job. There's going to be someone at work that literally jumps on your last nerve. And they do it on purpose. They like to give you a hard time. It may be a supervisor. It may be a boss. It may be uh, someone under you. And they, they literally know they can, they can just get you. Hey, it, it could be, it could be someone, it could be someone in your own home. Amen. By the way, husbands, don't elbow your wives right now. <laughs> honey, he's talking about you right there. Listen up right here, honey. I, I'm not, but it could be. I, I'm the youngest in my family. That, that's, here's what this means. This means that I have the gift of annoying. I can annoy really, really good. I can do little things. I, I, I've bo- I was born this way. I thank God for it too. I can do little things to get on people's nerves so quick, and I love it. My mother-in-law, I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> I, 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 I don't call her by her first name, and I don't call her mom. I call her woman. I know you're thinking, she should slap you. I know she should, but she doesn't. She calls me brat. We love each other. We really do. I have a great relationship with my little. I love her to death. She loves me. But seriously, I call her woman. Hey, woman, how are you? Good, brat. How are you? And that, that's our conversation. And we have a, it is a great, it's a wholesome relationship. I love my mother-in-law. That, but I, I do things. I love, I've got this whistle. Now, I can whistle really, years of youth pastor, I can stick my fingers in my mouth. I can whistle really loud, hurt your eardrums. But I have this high pitch. You, you ever heard someone's hearing aid go off? You know that? I can't do it now because I'm nervous in front of you. But there's, there's that, that high-pitched noise. I, I can do that. I'll go into the house, and I'll just stand off the corner, and I'll, I'll make that noise. And people are like, what's that noise? What is that? My mom's like, oh, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Ah, what is that noise? And then I'll look over, and I'm like, <laughs> and she'll slap me. <laughs> my wife says, my wife literally says to this day, she says, Kurt, if you were my little brother, I would have killed you. My wife says that to me. I, I love to annoy. In our own homes, the truth is is sometimes we do things on purpose to get on someone else's nerves. I believe dirty laundry goes on the floor right next to the bed. Amen, men? 
Sir, okay, come on, man up, men, help me out here. Dirty laundry goes on the floor right next to the bed. What if you have a fire in the middle of the night? I mean, you got to have something to put on. Dirty clothes go right there. My wife doesn't like that. My wife, my wife thinks, by the way, our dirty clothes basket literally is in the closet. When I get in bed, I could reach over and grab the closet door, open the door, take my dirty clothes and throw them and put them in the basket. I don't. They go right there. My wife's like, why can't you put your dirty clothes in the laundry basket? Because I like them there. And uh, one day I had gone to, I'd gone to the church, I'd gone to work, and I, I'm going to get to the message, I promise. I'd gone to work, and, and my wife took a picture, and she sent me the picture. My dirty clothes weren't on the floor next to the bed because I knew she didn't like that. But I had opened the closet door, and I had kicked them into the closet, and they were on the floor right next to the laundry basket. And my wife took a picture, and she sent it to me, and she said this, you almost scored two points, Kurt. I'm so proud of you. She was being sarcastic. We can, we can really do some things to get on other people's nerves. At church, we can do it. Why are they sitting in my seat? I've looked around. I haven't seen any names on any seats, to be honest with you. But we can get on people's nerves by something like that. Brother John may have got on some parents' nerves tonight having you come up here and play a game like that. The Bible says in many things we offend all. What I'm saying is, is you're going to have conflict with people. Well, I thought if we go to church, everybody at church would be, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be Christians, right? How do you respond to conflict? James chapter 4 teaches us. James chapter 3 talks about the tongue and you are going to offend. James chapter 4 says, here's how you deal with it. Look at James chapter number 4, beginning at verse number 1. James says this, excuse me, God says this, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Okay, context, he just got through talking about the tongue, he got talking about how we deal with other people, he's not talking to the lost world, he's not literally talking about battles between countries. He's talking to the local church. He's in context for us tonight talking about the home. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Lust is talking about desires. It's not talking about sensual things it's talking about desires ye lust and have not ye kill and desire to have ye ca and cannot attain uh, you fight and war and you have not because you ask not ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it uh, upon your own lusts ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship by the way he again he's not talking about sensual relationships literally in context uh, this is throughout the entire bible when, when he says adulterers and adulteresses is here, he's talking about taking God off his throne and putting something else in his place. He's talking about spiritual warfare. And he talks about ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? No, he says, uh, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Ouch! That hurts. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. 
He goes on. Do you think, verse 5, do you think that the scripture say in the vein, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth of envy? But, verse 6, God giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I look at this passage of scripture, and I learn, number one, uh, talking about biblical conflict, or excuse me, biblical response to conflict. We all face conflict. How do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with conflict in the home? I see, number one, the root cause of the conflict. What's the cause of the conflict? A lot of times, as a youth pastor, I would get a call from parents, 26 years working as a youth pastor. I got a lot of calls. I get a call from a parent and say, Brother Kurt, you got to help us. Our child, is, they will not make their bed. Any parents understand what I'm talking about? My child, you can't, no parents are raised. You, you chickens. No, I'm, you're, some of you are like, no, my child makes their bed. Okay, good. I, 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 anyway. My child won't clean their room. My child won't eat their vegetables. My child, my child, my child. Can I tell you? The problem isn't necessarily the bed. The problem isn't necessarily the vegetables on the plate. The problem, you know what that is? That is a, a cause effect. That is a fruit as opposed to the root. Sometimes we harp on the fruit. Make your bed, make your bed, make. And I understand. Making the bed isn't the problem. It's something deeper than making the bed. Making the bed is a, is a fruit of a deeper problem. But yet sometimes we harp on the, the bed, the bed, the bed, or the vegetables, the vegetables, the vegetables, or the fighting between the siblings. Can I tell you, those are evidences of something else that's going on. And here in this passage of Scripture, James says, hey, there's a reason the problems are taking place. And it's not someone sat in your seat. It's not the dirty clothes on the floor. It's not the, the, the burnt sacrifice for a meal. That's not the problem. The problem's deeper. Yet we spend all of our time fighting about the, the fruit. And the fruit isn't the issue. The fruit's an effect of something else that's going on. What, is, what does James say is the problem? Hold on. James is pretty clear about it. In this passage of Scripture, uh, he, he teaches that there's a reason uh, for our, our problem. He says, what, where come these wars? Verse 2, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and ye have not. He, he says, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 4, ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. What's he getting at? He goes on a little deeper. Verse 5, do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in you lusteth envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, here's the root, here's the root. God resisteth who? The proud. You're saying, you mean we came to church on Friday night to hear that? Mm -hmm. you know what you know what is the root cause for our disagreements with someone else James just said it what was it pride yeah I know and brother Kurt I am so glad that you're preaching on pride tonight my husband really needs this message right there no, no, that statement is an indication of the pride that I have. 
James says that pride, by the way, let me get the Bible in on this. I'm sorry to do that at church, but let me get, get some, some Bible. You know, you know what the Proverbs says? Proverbs says this, only by pride cometh contention. Ouch! I hate the conviction that we get from the Word of God. It hurts. You know what God just told me? God just told me the reason I won't pick up my dirty clothes and put them in the dirty laundry basket is my pride. Because I want them there. I don't care what she wants. I want them there. I've had, I told you, I've never had an argument with my wife. Never. Because we don't call them arguments. We call them discussions. And I've had a bunch of discussions. Do you know where most of our discussions, I'm talking to parents right now. Do you know where most of my wife and I's discussions, where, where they originate? I, I know pride. But you know where most of them happen? Most of them happen when I'm in the driver's seat. And she's sitting in the passenger seat. Be careful here, men. Don't say amen too much here. Because huh? I can't drive according to her. And she can drive, but she's in the passenger. She has a brake pedal on her side over there, and she's using it all the time. I have ADHD. I've never been diagnosed, but I have it. And I'm proud of it. Thank you very much. I drive down the road, and I love to, I, I was taught, you enjoy the roses. Smell the roses of life along life's path. Enjoy life. That means I like to look at the farm on the side of the road. As I'm, I like to count the cows over there. I do. And my wife says, you don't keep your eyes on the road. That's right, because I'm enjoying God's creation. And she'll sit in that passenger seat, and she'll tell me, pay attention. Put your eye. And she's like screaming and holding on to the handles and, and putting her foot on the brake. And, and she's like, pay attention, Kirk. You're going to kill me. No, no, I'm not. I'm in full control. And I travel in full-time evangelism now. Would you pray for the Copeland family? We get a lot of discussions driving down the road because I'm doing too fast or I'm not. I'm, I, by the way, I pay my taxes. I do, which means I can drive on any part of that road I want to. If I want to hit the rumble strip, I'm just making sure they did a good job digging the rumble strip. I, paid, I have just as much right to hit that rumble strip as I do staying in between the lines. It's pride. My pride comes up and says to my wife, I know what I'm doing. I know how to drive. Stop telling me how to drive. That's my pride. Because usually when she's saying that, I have been looking at the farm on the side of the road, and the guy in front of me hit his brakes, and I wasn't going to hit him anyway. But she didn't know that I, you know what I'm talking about? Pride. Pride. By the way, I, 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 I don't, I'm a harp on the men, ladies, so I'm not going to go anywhere for you. But we as men, we've got to learn to swallow our pride. God says in this passage of Scripture, God resisteth the proud. God hates our, God hates our pride. Hey, hey, young person, why don't you make your bed? Because you like your bed the way it is. Because you're lazy. Because you want to do it the way you want to do it. Why does mom and dad tell you to make your bed? Because they're trying to teach you to have some character. And it's your pride that says, I'm not going to do it mom's way. I'm going to do it my way. Swallow your pride. Yeah, I'm up in your grill a little bit right now. Swallow your pride. 
Do what you're told. Hey, can I tell you, your parents have more wisdom in their pinky than you have in your entire cranium, brain. They're smarter than you. No, Brother Kurt, they're not. They don't even know how to use the remote control. Okay, so you're probably right. They probably don't know how to use the remote control. We literally, I hand my phone to my daughters and say, hey, will you program this for me? How do you, my, my daughters look at my wife when she gets ready to post something on Instagram. And my daughters look at her and say, mom, you can't post that. Mom, you've got to do this to the post before you post it. Do you not know anything? Come on, mom. You know why? Because mom and dads, we're not near as savvy with today's technology as you are. I give you that. I'm not talking about how to program an Instagram post. I'm talking about life. Hey, 17, 18-year-old teenager, you think you've arrived? You think you have all the answers? Mm -mm. The greatest thing you can do as a 16, 17, 18-year-old young man is swallow, or young lady, swallow your pride and lean on mom and dad. Hey, mom, how do you do this? Hey, dad, how do you swallow your pride? By the way, parents, you know the best way to teach your children to swallow their pride? Lead by example. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, and I do it often, is walk up to my daughter, one or the other, throw my arm around their neck and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. God says that the root of our problem is pride. Think back to that last disagreement, that last discussion you had with your spouse. Thank you for bringing it up, Brother Kurt. Do you know what the cause of that discussion was? Yes, she didn't have supper ready. That's not the cause of it. Pride is. I didn't, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. God said, only by pride cometh contentions. Only by pride cometh contentions. And if you're sitting here tonight saying, I'm so glad that my child, my spouse, my, I'm so glad. What you're saying is it's my pride. So what, number one, what is the root? The root's pride, verses one through six. Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride cometh come contention. Uh, Satan started this wicked slide in society with pride. You go all the way back to creation. Satan's first sin was pride. I will be like the most high. And that's our biggest issue. Number one, what's the root? Number two, what should be the response to, dis, to conflict? What should my response be when someone does something to offend me? What should be my response? Glad you asked. Look at verse seven. Verse six, the end of verse six, the Bible says this, but God, God resisted the proud, but God giveth, but giveth grace to the humble. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your heart, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and, and, and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your, your joy to heaviness. 
Verse 10, he says it again. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know what James says in this passage of Scripture? When there's conflict to be had, what does James say the response ought to be? Not raising her voice, not arguing, not fussing, not fighting. The response ought to be being humble. Humble. That's not 2023 America. Turn on talk radio and listen for just a few minutes. It's sickening. They'll argue, they'll fuss, they'll... They'll undermine, they'll yell, they'll scream. I've got very strong political positions. I really do. I do. But you know what? I'm not going to hate someone who holds a different political position than me. I've got very conservative values of a home. But I'm not going to hate someone else who has a different perspective than I have. I want to present a humble approach to Christianity. Do you realize 30, 40 years from now, adults, we won't be here? How are you going to be remembered? Mom and Dad, honestly, what will your kids remember about growing up in your home? This one hurts. God says, humble yourself. At work, that guy who jumps your case, he's that youngest sibling. He knows how to annoy. His, his gift is the gift of aggravation. You know what your best medicine is to help him? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Well, I'm just going to give him a piece of my mind. Hey, teenagers, don't do that because you don't have a whole lot to spare. Sorry, I shouldn't have looked this way. I should have looked this way truth is, is your peace of your mind's not going to change them. I have never called into a talk radio show. You want to know why? It doesn't matter what I say. I'm not going to change their thoughts anyway. So why? The, the, you get on, on Twitter especially. Twitter is known for, I got, I got an alert, Brother Matthews, the other day. I got an alert that said, join the Fundamental Fighting Forum on Twitter. And, and the description, was, I, I, I may be giving the wrong name, but the, the description was uh, passionately arguing your position of fundamentalism. Get on this Twitter site and argue with people about why you do what you do. That's the biggest waste of time. Why am I going to waste my time arguing with someone else about what I believe opposed, as opposed to what they believe? It, it doesn't, I'm not going to change them. I tell our teenagers going out door-to-door soul winning. You knock on a door and someone says, I, I don't believe that. And, and, and I, I would just say, do you believe the Bible? I teach our teenagers, say, do you believe the Bible? And if they don't believe the Bible is the word of God, there's no arguing. You can't change them anyway. If they don't believe the Bible, they don't believe the foundation. It's, it's done. It's toast. Why do we sit and argue and fuss? And you get together at a family reunion, and it's always like, well, why do you do this? Why? We have these arguments and fusses. Why? God says, humble yourself. Hey, you know what will bring peace in your home? I had parents say this all the time. Brother Kurt, all we want is a little peace at home. We're tired, of the, we're tired of the kids bickering and fighting. My mom said it all the time. Why do you kids always fight? 
how do we have peace? Humble ourselves. Hey, teenager, it's not about you. This world does not revolve around you. Yeah, but these are my shoes. I bought them with my own money. No, no, no. You may have worked, you may have gotten a job and earned money to buy your shoes, some sweet shoes. But you know what? The only reason you had a job or got money to earn those, the money to buy those shoes, because you have a mom and dad who love you and trained you and taught you. You're not all that, the bowl of cherries. You're not that big bad guy that you think you are. What you have is because other people invested in your life. So humble yourself and say, Mom and Dad, what do you want? Oh, this will change your home. Conflict happens. Parents, they spend a lot of time on their phone or, or devices or game system, don't they? None of you are going to say amen. They, they enjoy those things. They enjoy going and being with their friends. They come to church and sometimes they don't want to sit with you as mom and dad. They want to sit with their friends. You're like, well, what am I, chopped liver? I just gave you life. I feed you, I house you, I clothe you. Everything you have is because of me. And you want nothing to do with me? I'm a parent. I lived it. I know exactly what it's like. Hey, young person, maybe sometime you ought to just look at mom and dad and, and, and look at them. Maybe even girls with a tear in your eye. You can cry about anything anyway, so put a tear in your eye and go up and throw your arms around your mom's neck and say, Mom, thank you. Your mom will go, who are you? What would you do with my child? Why? Because we don't humble ourselves. We think we're in charge. No. The response, the cause is pride. The response ought to be, the response ought to be humble. God does resist the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. By the way, you know what the result is? I'm not up there. I can't even read it. You can read the rest of it later. I've gone over time. You know what the result is? Peace. Peace. So what if someone abuses me then? What if someone takes advantage of me? What am I supposed to be, Brother Kurt? A doormat? I don't know how to answer that one. Let me ask you. Who's our greatest example in life? The answer to that is Jesus. I'm just, I'm really just being blunt and honest tonight. I'm not making friends. I understand. Jesus is our greatest example, right? Jesus let people spit in his face. He's the son of God. He's deity in the flesh. He's God incarnate. He's Emmanuel, God with, he's the creator of the universe. And he stood there and let people spit in his face. He could have called 10,000, he didn't have to call the angels. He could have said, be dead, and down there go. You know what Jesus teaches us? It's okay to be a doormat. It's okay. My wife would say to me, and I'm done, my wife would say to me, when will it happen that our girls really appreciate us as parents? <laughs> any, parents any parents ever think that? When will my kids appreciate what we've done for them? 
I mean, we went to death's door to birth them. We, we've, we've changed their dirty, nasty diapers. We, we fed them. We've clothed them. We, we paid for their schooling. We could have sent them to school for free. But yet we spent money to have, and some of you kids are like, yeah, I don't even want it. I want it. Oh, no, 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 no. Get your pride out of the way. My wife would say, when will we ever get that thank you? She says it to me often, still the 25 and 22. You know what we're learning? Little bits along the way. My 25-year-old, she'll call sometimes, she'll say, I never realized what you guys were doing for us. I never realized how expensive life is. She lives on her own, pays her own bills. Oh, it's, it's expensive. Hey, can I tell you, parents, it may not be for another 10 years before Junior looks at you and says, wow, Dad, thanks. But don't quit. And teenagers, I look at you and I tell you, don't wait for 10 years to look at Mom and Dad and throw your arm around their neck and say thank you. The conflict in the home doesn't have to happen. There can be peace. There can be joy. But it depends on whether or not you're going to swallow your pride, humble yourself, so that God can bless. So teens, I'm putting some pressure on you. But I'll tell you this, parents, speaking to me, more is caught than taught. These young people are masters at mimicking mom and dad. Adults, do you remember looking at your parents and thinking, oh, I don't ever want to be like that. Or maybe you looked at them and said, oh, I want that attribute. Do you ever, you ever catch yourself sometimes thinking, I am turning into my parent. I am just like my dad. Hey, they're going to do the same thing. They're following they listen to you on Sunday afternoon when you walk out of these doors and you eat pastor for lunch. I can't believe he said that one. By the way, I don't know that anyone says that. As far as I know, you're the greatest preacher on earth. But they're listening. Brother Matthews, you, you fed my child baby food today? <laughs> and, and you start nitpicking and griping, and complaining, backbiting. Guess who's listening? And they're learning. And sometimes the reason they don't humble themselves is because we as parents, we're not willing to humble ourselves. Jesus is the example. Jesus willingly said, it's not about me. It's all about my father. And he laid down his life so we'd have salvation. Parent, let's unite. Let's bring it together. Let's swallow our pride, humble ourselves, and enjoy the peace that a home can bring. Because it can. Let's pray together. Lord, this is, some would say, just pie in the sky.